Hi folks, welcome back to the PocketGamer.biz podcast. It's we're going a little different direction for the start of 2023. Um, I'm delighted to welcome my new partner in crime, the incredible, the almost legendary Peggy Ansaltz. Hello, Peggy. Hello, Brian. And it is really starting the year on a high note because, hey, we've been following each other, meeting at events for years and here we are now it's real it's official we are partners in crime we are joined at the hip we are going to make pg biz podcast regular and amazing exactly so exactly so it's there, there have been so many live events so many conferences expos shows you know from the very earliest days of mobile gaming not that i'm trying to date either of us but um you know we we've we've kind of seen it grow from WAP and SMS all the way through to the incredible eclectic diversity of 2022-23. And who knows where it's going to be in another, you know, 20 odd years. But uh, we're hoping to chart those changes, highlight that progress and help make it more accessible and um, understandable. Absolutely. I mean, I interview a lot of marketers, a lot of people in product and design and bringing it all together. I see it's a bit like a mission to unleash them, right, Brian? This is the platform. We're going to ask them, how do they do what they do? What are the choices they made? What do they avoid? What do they embrace? Why? Basically, because they're scrappy, they're innovative, and we need to bring that to the shows. I think that's exactly it. You know, it's mobile game developers are facing, you know, different challenges. I'm not going to say more challenges, but certainly different challenges than they have in the past. It used to be making content was the only thing that they had to concentrate on. And that in itself was really tough. But nowadays, there's so much competition on the marketplace, you know, at saturations on the app stores, different monetization methods, you know, um, user acquisition versus engagement, re-engagement, in-game advertising. It's like interstitial advertising, rewarded ads. There are so many things that developers now have to understand. And just keeping track of what's going on out there can be incredibly difficult. So hopefully this will be a window of insight for uh, the developers and the game creators out there that help them stay on top of the rapidly evolving uh, global mobile games market. Bit of a hat tip or call out to uh, J.D. Parasini and others who are like, hey guys, it's 2023, we're trying to be successful in a recession, well, you know, oncoming, uh, a little bit of doom and gloom, but no, user level data, an issue. Yes, all these issues, but the whole idea was she was saying, come on, people, we can do this. We've got this. And it's that same spirit I wanted to bring here as well, because it's the whole idea of, so how do you do more with less in 2023? It's not simple, but it is possible. Always going to be an optimist. So we have, kicking it off, Got two really scrappy but very successful people in gaming, one in marketing and one in product. So there you go. Product is new marketing. We have both sides of it. Perfect. And I think the whole message is that you don't have to be one of the top 50 developers. You don't have to be a mega studio, you know, that's already generating multiple millions or even multiple thousands. It's like this is accessible and this is possible for any studio, regardless of their size and at what point they're at in their life cycle, their growth, you know, potentially heading for scale. But that idea of doing 
more with less. You know, as you say, it's not necessarily easy, but it's entirely possible. Even for, you know, loan sharks, one-man bands, indie part-time developers even, to get out there and, and make use of the resources, make use of the tools and the data and the techniques that are being pioneered in the mobile gaming world in a way which can help them ensure that every game gets the best possible chance. And I think you're right. It's that scrappy determination that uh, that we're trying to sort of foster and support and say, come on, guys, we've got your back. We're here. Let's do it together. So Scrappy, Scrappy stays with me. Scrappy also describes our first guest, Larry Shea, who's principal product manager at Mobility, where I've been there for ages, been there, done that, loves to tinker, loves to work on live ops, literally live ops on a shoestring budget. That's his motto. That is his mantra. And we learn how to do it. And some real surprises in there, how he runs it primarily using tools from Lean Plum because he can do it all in one place, but really importantly, with a real small team. We're talking himself and one other. Exactly so. It's inspirational, inspiring, absolutely wonderful. And you're right. You know, he exemplifies what's possible in, in today's market. So uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing more from Larry. Well, we said we unlock and unleash them, Brian. So that's what we do. We give them the platform to tell their story. Let's let Larry tell his. Take it away, Larry. So we're coming into 2023, the theme, the topic, the motto, it's all about doing more with less. It's the hardest advice you're going to have to take or maybe even give to your team. But we're going to talk to someone today who is looking at how to be more effective by mastering live ops. Can I say the master? I don't know. Larry <laughs> Shea, principal product manager at Mobility Wear, maybe a little bit of the master, a, a Jedi of types. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the Jedi, but I don't know, maybe not to my kid, but maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the things, you know, definitely using um, all the tools that are available. You know, we do a lot of stuff that's kind of off the shelf with um, one of the things we mentioned was Link Plum. And then you know, one of the things that they always will say is like, oh, you know, we do a lot of stuff that's like, you know, non-scripted off the books, kind of like off-label to use. So we use it um, very, very effectively to to hack it. So if you if you will say, yeah, you know, we're very, very creative with, um, you know, all we do and really push the envelope as far as like what we try to do for live events and live ops right now. And then essentially it's kind of just like, you know, one of the things is like doing less with more, which I think is the big, big theme right now. It is indeed. That's why we're going to be talking about it. Now, a little bit of background on you. You have been specializing in leading both the live ops and events initiatives using Lean Plum for Mobility Wear's various casual puzzle free-to-play games. On the side, you got a side gig as well. You've been writing about blockchain games for Navic Pro. So what does that mean? Oh, yeah. So it's just kind of a side thing. So right now, it's, got, it's just a um, contributor writer. So on the side, it's like, um, of interest. And the part of it is kind of just also staying, um, you know, in tune with the market. What's the latest trends? Is it really going to be something? So at least for me personally, it's more like, okay, well, you know, I'm in the gaming industry. I'm very, very focused on casual and live ops, right? But on the side, it's like, okay, there's interesting new technology involving around blockchain and all that technology around crypto. So the question is like, for me, coming from like, okay, from a gaming perspective, can there really be something there? Yeah, well, there's definitely something 
in live ops. And it's interesting because I was talking to the pocket gamer team and I'm saying, oh, we got Larry on the show. And they're like, you know what? His version of solitaire is one of the first downloads that they do when they get a new phone. So how does that make you feel, first of all, that you have that type of a fan base? Oh, I mean, it's awesome. It's like, I mean, it's one of the um, biggest thing because, you know, that's basically how the company all started, right? It's like they were the one of the first apps on the Apple store at the very beginning. And then the lasting um, factor where, you know, we have like this dedicated fan base that's been there for day one is just totally amazing. And it really kind of illustrates kind of the mission of MobileWare, which is, you know, we're really trying to bring joy one game at a time. And then basically we start out with solitaire with card games and we're very, very strong there, but then we also have a whole set of, um, you know, casual games. And then that's kind of the area that I work on. And then to keep it all relevant and new, you know, this is where we do all the live ops and live events. Player loyalty is something that has to be earned, maintained. What should the goal be in live ops? At the end of the day is like, you're really trying to bring enjoyment and fun to the experience. And then that's what makes them come back and they want to play and then they want to kind of discover things. But then the thing though is just really relevancy because you try to be kind of on trend and try to be relevant because that's really kind of where the market's going, where, you know, they want to see, okay, does the game have like new things coming in? Is the game kind of being relevant to today? Um, but then there's a balance because a lot of the things that we're really good is like we have very classic puzzle games. So the core basically stays the same. But then on top of that, you know, we put like a seasonal event or something to make it more relevant. It's like, oh, you know, during the holidays, we have this going on. So you said it yourself. I'm quoting you. Live ops. That's you know, first you get the product out, you launch the product, that's when the fun begins. Give me an example. What's the coolest event or example you can walk us through? Yeah, I mean, one of the ones that we just did, we do have um, different partnerships and we have branding. So we have one, um, a very good relationship with Hasbro with Monopoly. So we have um, both Monopoly, Monopoly Solitaire, which is one of our standalone apps. But then we also have a Monopoly inside Jigsaw Puzzle. And then one of the things we did in November is actually National Monopoly Day. So then on both of the apps, we actually create live events. And what's kind of cool is, you know, games is very much entertainment. And then entertainment, if you look at TV and movies, very similar. So in TVs, one of the things you see is you see like a main um, show with like spin out shows. And then what, one of the things they do is they always do like crossover events. Uh, what I think is really powerful is like, okay, well, in our position, we have multiple games and we have this really great relationship. So then it gives us an opportunity to actually do multiple events themed similarly, but then they can cross over to each other. So an example would be in our Monopoly Solitaire app, which is basically you play Solitaire, but then you're actually playing Monopoly as the meta build. But then for the event for Monopoly Day, you actually go around the board and you're actually recreating the board piece by piece by piece like a jigsaw puzzle. So that's kind of the tie-in back to jigsaw puzzle. Now on jigsaw puzzle over on that app, what we did was we actually made it so it felt like you were going around solving puzzles and collecting deeds like you're playing Monopoly. So we kind of go the other way on jigsaw. So then what happens is like, if you are playing both apps, you get this really immersive experience. And then taking another step further is having, you know, good backend tools where we can actually track, okay, 
you know, did you earn this reward? Okay, once you earn this reward, okay, I can send you over to Monopoly Solitaire to get actually a free mover. And then it happened to be the mover is actually a jigsaw piece. So it's very, very, um, you know, interconnected, very immersive. So as a player, you know, you can actually get a full experience um, across both apps. It's also pretty cool, not just interlocking the rewards, but actually like the, in, the in-game experience, you know, it's brought yes. the two of them together. Very smart. Of course, Live Ops is not just build and they will come. Amazing experience to your credit, Larry, but it's also down to communication. You know, tell me a little bit about how you make certain that you're not just building a great experience, but you've got it backed up with effective communications. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because one of the things is like, you know, it, it would be like, okay, great, you know, oh, I build it and they will come. But if you're in mobile development and games, it's like, no, that's not really how it works. And then for us, it's like, we also have good relationships with the platform. So in the case of like Google and Apple, um, a lot of the events, you know, we will go and do featuring. And then in the case of like Monopoly Day, we did get featuring from Google. So that was also very, very helpful, right? So you get featuring there and that helps drive organic installs. Um, the other thing we also do in game, and this is using our backend tools, is also do push notifications. So push notifications is also a very, very effective tool where, you know, we also make sure that you have like um, very good relevant um, messaging. But then on top of that is like, since on the back end, um, we do have a lot of information on the data. So we do know players that highly engage with the game. So then for those players, we can go and do crafted messaging that says, hey, you know, we have this event that you have. Um, in the case of Jigsaw Puzzle, what's interesting is it's more or less kind of like a, uh, I mean, you pay or you buy and play Jigsaw Puzzle Packs. Some of them are also free, but then we can track that. So if you're playing a lot of Monopoly Packs or even Hasbro-related packs, because we also have Hasbro-themed packs, then I know those players are more likely to be engaged in Monopoly. And one of the things we did on that event using like the targeting that comes out of the box for Linkblum is we actually did special rewards and special targeting. So with that group, what we did see is like that group had much higher engagement than the general population. So it really goes out to like, okay, your reach out campaign, you could do a general blast through social media, but then what's also really important is like targeting the right users. So really understand your base and who will be most receptive to the message. So part of it is the player segmentation, but also yes. where they are in the game life cycle. Yeah, so that's also really important. And then that's kind of a lot of the data that we also have on this, uh, in the back end where we can, like in the case of like, uh, you know, Jigsaw Puzzle or another game where you can just track like the levels or the experience. So in the case of Jigsaw, it's like, okay, well, how many puzzles have they completed or what's the highest puzzle size have they done? And then have they made it like, um, do they use a lot of hints? And then in other games, it's like, okay, well, how many times have they collected, like, you know, gun pass go? How many times, how many tokens have they unlocked or moved? So, and then what's really cool is like, if you run live ops kind of like using a, um, a backend tool we have where you can actually configure it, you can actually tailor the whole experience. So what we do um, many times is for experienced players, we may actually up the rewards if they're VIP. So if they're like a highly engaged player or they actually have a lot of, um, you know, purchases, then we may goose the prizes for them, right? Or the rewards. Now for new users, since they're brand new to the game, they may be struggling with different things. So in that case, like in the case of, uh, you know, 
our game on Monopoly Day, it was like, okay, well, you know, do we give them an extra chance to win, like an additional chance to win another stamp or another property deed? So that helps them advance the game faster. But then the other part is um, kind of one of the things where, you know, you really want to, you know, design things where you have variables, configurations, remote config, because then what happens is it's scalable from a live ops standpoint. Because traditionally before it was like, okay, you would build it, ship it, and then it was done. But then, right, but now with live games, you can't really do that. Like you really need to be able to personalize and craft it. And the platform you're using, the approach you have, what's really cool is you can sort of literally turn it off, turn it on to fit the segment, to fit the event so that what you're doing, and again, I read what you're writing all the time, Larry, <laughs> and you've said, and I quote, it's all about the player incentives. They need to get the reward or prize at the right time. Yes. Yeah. What's really interesting, or if you can design it with a very flexible system. So it all goes back to, you know, how you architect it and then is it flexible? Because if it's flexible and it's targetable, then what it is is like you can actually create, you know, um, different difficulty curves. You can do also different reward systems for incentives. So you can do like a variable, um, you know, time reward system. So, you know, it's kind of random. You don't know when it gets it, but then you also want to do it like a fixed time frame reward. So it's like, okay, I know like, um, you know, like during the holidays, we did a thing where like, okay, 12 days of giveaway. So every day you come back and then you play the free puzzle day, you will get a reward. So that's fixed variable, right? But then what you can do is add then a variable component. We're like, okay, well, maybe every three days or every two days, a random thing happens where like, okay, you see a prize wheel pop up, you spin the wheel and you get like the variable thing. So it's kind of like, you know, makes things exciting because you want to vary it up. But then that being said, it all comes down to also player segments where, you know, some people will actually naturally gravitate to one or the other. So then that's where it's like, okay, having A-B testing with different buckets, with different, um, you know, um, reward curves and reward um, setups really comes to play because it's like we can run those going on and then look at the analysis and then we can segment different players. We're like, okay, highly engaged players. Okay, segment A would like this type of experience. Okay, segment B has th this type of experience. Type of C. It's kind of like giving that kind of experience, knowing when they want it, and then also giving player choice because that's one of the other things you could do, which is like, okay, well, what type of experience do you want? So data is going to tell you a lot about that. You know, what do you need to both attract and retain the users? And I know that you are into variables in a big way. I think your yeah. team would say you are way into variables. Tell me a little bit about how you change up that experience, the tools you use, the ways that you make and operate games to do this. I mean, you're personalizing basically an experience, but you're not reinventing the wheel every time. Right, right. So one of the things that I get a lot from the engineers is like, we probably have more variables in the game to control it versus actually like core game code. But then that's where it's like the flexibility. So then, uh, then I was like, okay, well, you know, do you want me to bother you every time if I wanted to do an AV? So, you know, it's, it's, it's a good compromise and they're, they're totally cool with it. But then that is, you know, the real power of it. So a good example is like, okay, you know, a reward bundle, right? So it's a simple string. And then you can make it very flexible. So for for one case, it's like, okay, let's say you have a casual game and you have different levels of power-ups you can give. But then it can go back to targeting of the player because then you can say like, okay, well, you know, this type of player has a certain style where they really like to use bombs, right? 
So then you kind of know that, okay, they will value bombs more um, valuable. So then you can then weight your rewards. We're like, okay, well, I will give you more bombs um, as your prize. Whereas maybe someone else really likes, you know, their strategy or their play style is more with wilds. So then, okay, well, you can go and create like a different reward system where like, okay, well, I weight wilds more than the other. So that's kind of where you can personalize the rewards and then you can also, you know, craft it or personalize it to the actual user. But that's where the art and science come together, right? You don't just pick an event and you don't decide in your remote config, I'm going to turn this off or turn that on. There's a science, there's an art to that. Can you lift the lid and tell us about how you choose or design or repurpose the events? Yeah, that's a that's a yeah, that's a really good point. So, you know, one of the things we have is like, okay, we have a um, you know, generic event system that's skinnable. So the skinnable makes it able to be themed and then you can make it themed to whatever's that's relevant. So like a good event that we kind of did that was kind of fun was actually, you know, December, we kind of did a play where like, okay, December is in the holidays. And then one of the things is like, okay, well, you know, it's, it's our Christmas time. And then one of the big things right now is, um, you know, Santa Claus and the Santa Claus kind of has his naughty list and then also has his nice list. So one of the very, very simple things that we did, and we did this across multiple games so we could reuse. So this again, you know, doing um, less with more because it's like, I don't have an entire team of like um, people to run live ops. I really only have like one or two people. I, I, I actually really have only one artist that's doing all the art, which is amazing. But then we're wow. able to scale. But the thing that's really interesting is like, okay, we did a very reasonable thing. We're like, um, you know, we, we have a pop-up that says, okay, you know, um, you, you know, what, who do you rather be? You want to be naughty or do you want to be nice? So it's kind of fun, a little sassy, but then it gives, um, you know, player choice. And then you kind of have these cute little gnomes and then one says naughty and one says nice, right? And then the, the naughty guy has a grin, but then essentially, basically the player has a choice to have some agency. So that makes it kind of fun. Um, so that's a creative aspect. We can, um, you know, personalize and craft them depending on who is playing. So that does give you power. But then at the end of the day, it's really kind of just a unique experience and then also relevant. The other part of it also is kind of like, you don't really will ever get the first event right or the first like game event engine right. It will probably take at least two to three iterations before you fine tune it. But then this is a part where like having the flexibility built in and then be able to test will make it actually learn because you don't need 100% to be perfect. You can get most of it, go out there, learn, iterate, and then, you know, fail quickly, right? One of the great things with uh, Lean Plum is is kind of a holistic um, tool where it can do a lot of things. So one part is like you have all the data tracking and then one of the things I like to do is kind of work backwards, which is like, okay, well, what's the problem we're trying to solve? And then work backwards to, okay, well, what's the data that we're going to need? Because at the end of the day, you can actually instrument everything, but then is it going to be all useful, right? So it's like, okay, well, you know, what do I really want to find out? Okay, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So you make sure you get the right data. But the right data is important because then it will tell you, it goes back to um, your audience targeting. So it's like, okay, well, do I have the data to really understand like, okay, well, how will I define like a highly engaged user? 
or how do I define like a VIP user? Okay, what's that criteria? Well, what metrics or stats am I going to need to do that? So that's one part of it. So I have all the data and things. The other part of it is also a messaging system. So it could be a simple like inbox system or it could be messaging. So one of the things that we use a lot on, on Lean Plum is kind of like um, in-app messaging, but they also have a message inbox system too. So it's very similar as messaging, whether it's a pop-up or a mailbox system, right? But it's some queuing mechanism or targeting system where I can target a specific user at a certain time to show them something. So that messaging part is also there. That's really important. And then on top of that, it's kind of the last piece, which is the variables or the remote config part where it's like, okay, you know, can I actually create like different variables? We're like, okay, I want to target this specific user, which is the audience side. And then through the channel, which is the messaging system, I can reach them. But then what do I give them? So this is the reward bundle. Then the AB helps us like test all those things out um, to make sure like, okay, well, what works? And then having it all in one system is actually, um, you know, very, very helpful and then very, very useful. We talked about some of the shortcuts, you know, it's, getting the experience right, scaling it, having the tech to do it, doing remote config, taking care of it with a small team. Those are all great shortcuts, but you always have to answer the question, particularly for an indie studio, why is it worth it? And that comes in the results. Tell me a little bit about the results you're seeing. Some of the stuff that we kind of alluded to before, which was like, you know, our most recent example, which was the Monopoly Day. So it's like with that, it's like, you know, um, with those events and those um, things, like we got featuring, right? So featuring on Google is huge, right? So like for there, you know, mm. one of the things that we saw was like, okay, you know, you're seeing like 40 to 50% increases in installs and then they're all organic. So they're, you know, quote unquote free, right? But then you really work for it. But then for us, it's like, okay, well, you know, it's art that's scalable. We reuse it. We make it interesting. It's, um, you know, infrastructure that we already had. So for us, like it's minimal cost. I mean, there is like upfront costs. So this is a part where like, okay, does it pay off? But then part of it is like, okay, you scale it and you reuse it. And then that's where the payoff happens. So it may not be the first time you use it. It may not be the second time. To the part that also make it relevant is like, okay, if I didn't have seasonal events, then okay, can I still keep people in the game? So will they still be happy or engaged if I just give them, like one of the basic things we have in Jigsaw Puzzle is like a free puzzles day. So every day there's a new free puzzle that you can play and you can play it for free, right? And then the other ones um, are paid and some of them you, you have to unlock by playing. But then outside of that, it's all the events. So if mm -hmm. I didn't run these events and we see this in the data where, you know, if we do not run events, engagements will go down and you'll still you'll see differences like 20 to 30 percent where you'll see drop-offs on mm. you know number of um puzzle plays uh session times sessions so those are those are things that you will definitely see as far as spiking those yeah. are very very steep drops 20 30 percent that's not small i mean those are the um peaks now what i was going to say is it's also a balance where it can't be sustained all the time You've given us a blueprint. Got to thank you for that, Larry. But you yourself, you were a very scrappy person. <laughs> it's 2023. Everyone will need to be scrappy. They'll need to be like you, actually, Larry, if you think about it. What's your tip for an indie studio to inject new life into their older titles? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's kind of, 
you know, looking at the alternatives and it really goes back to opportunity costs. So it's like, okay, well, do I have the engineers, you know, build this or do I have the engineers build that? But then the other part is like, okay, well, if I had the engineers work on this versus something else, it's like, you know, you want to kind of use them most effectively to build very scalable tools. And then with that, it comes back to like, okay, the build versus buy thing. Like a very, very simple example for like a game would be like, okay, what's the C currency that a player starts out with, right? That's very, very basic. It's one single variable. It's a remote config. So anybody can do that and then do that AB. But then part of it is like, okay, that can be very, very critical for the start of the game because if I don't give you enough, then you're going to run out of money. But then if I give you maybe too much, you don't have the incentive to chase. So he's kind of like the Goldilocks. You have to get it right. But then what's great is like, okay, well, I can take my best guess, do 10% higher, 10% lower, 20% higher, 20% lower, and then actually just run a bunch of ABs as long as I have a remote config and then run it. Because at the end of the day, it's like, okay, if I can increase my D1, D7, then that will help increase my LTVs. And then that will help with my LTV. Well, the LTV versus CPI, which lets you be able to like more, um, you know, give you more dollars for your U18 to go chase more users. Great the way you sort of like break it down to a couple things you need to get right mm -hmm. and to build on, and that will build over time. That you get these events right, you get the currency right, you get these basics right, the mechanics right, A-B tests to get it right, and you have the foundation for a game that can have a longer life, that can be more flexible, that can adapt to the players. Yes. Yes, I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, you've done it. You know, <laughs> you've been there for a while there at Mobility Wear, hopefully a lot longer to come. And hey, some great accolades for 2022. Wish you all the best in 2023, Larry. It was great having you. And Thank thanks you. for sharing a useful Thank you. Enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that was incredible. Peggy, there was a lot in there. There was. There was. A lot of very practical advice, but what I liked as well is how to target the seasons, how to think outside the box. I mean, who would have known something as simple as a little gnome, naughty or nice, would make such a difference? But hey, that's it. That's about engaging and using events to re-engage users, to keep them excited about the game. It certainly worked for Larry. I hope it works for everybody else out there who Absolutely. wants to try it. I think that's the thing. Your creativity is no longer confined to your game design, your levels, and your core mechanics. You can now be as creative with keeping your players excited and coming back for more. And yeah, I, I certainly hope we, we see more of the little gnome in future episodes. But uh, we'd like to thank Larry Shea for, for agreeing to be a guest and uh, for joining us on the Pocket Gamer podcast. And um, Peggy, for your first episode, how are you feeling about it all? I think this is going to be such an adventure, Brian. You know, it's our platform, but I'm excited because it's everyone's platform. We have other great guests, marketers, product experts in the pipeline, but hey, it's your platform as well. So be absolutely Excellent. If you would reach out to Brian or myself on social and let's talk about maybe getting you set up with a show of your own. Absolutely. We want to hear from you. If you make games, publish games, if you're anything to do with the wide, wide world of mobile gaming, regardless of where you are all around the planet, we would love to hear from you. There's a couple of ways of getting in touch. Podcast at pocketgamer.biz is the email, or you can reach out to us always on Twitter where you can find us at PGBiz. And we would love to hear from you.
there's audio, there's video. Brian, where can they savor this pure gold, this wisdom? <laughs> it's well, we're working towards the, the solid gold, but yeah. I think we're, we've made a, a really good start. So you can find all of the PocketGamer.biz podcast season one, season two, out into our new 2023 adventure with Peggy and I on PocketGamer.biz slash podcast that's pocketgamer.biz slash podcast and we will look forward to hearing your questions your requests and your feedback in the next few weeks and until then uh thank you very much for joining us we appreciate your time and peggy thank you so much for getting involved thank you brian as i said it's going to be a great adventure looking forward to it every single episode until next time i'm peggy Ansaltz. i'm brian baglow Goodbye.